Welcome everyone. Uh, welcome to Your Career with Purpose. I hope everyone's doing well today. Uh, so just wait for a few people to um, get in here and join us today. So we're live across various platforms today, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Facebook. So um, what I'd like to do Let's just get you to quickly type into the chat as to what location you're connecting from today. So what part of the world are you in? What city you're in? Uh, and let's get underway. Uh, so we've got someone uh, joining us today. So this is a good friend of mine and, and someone I've worked with um, before. And hopefully we can both uh, join forces to answer any questions you have today. Uh, so I'd like to introduce you to Andrew Kim. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Simon. Great to see you. Uh, yeah. how, how are things there in Asia? Yeah, things are good, things are good. Uh, well, I mean, good in a sense that, you know, a lot of countries in Asia, they they are, you know, recovering, in a, in a, in a more like a recovering mode from COVID-19, uh, more, def definitely there's more activities and. Uh, more sort of interest from both companies and candidates. So um, it's definitely good to see some sort of action happening. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Good. Well, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, uh, sure. and then we can kind of just um, get a sense of what your experience is. Absolutely. Sure. So I do, just in short, I have... Uh, uh, over 10 years of recruiting experience in Asia. Um, I started my recruiting uh, um, with, um, you know, an, a recruiting agency and then uh, moved to a couple more agencies. And my, I think it'd be good to just talk about my past two, three experiences. I uh, was one of the very early um, founding team members for Uber in Asia. So I was one of the very first recruiters in Asia on the ground, helped, um, you know, uh, recruit uh, the founding team members in uh, 12 different Asian countries from, from scratch. And after spending about close to five years at Uber, uh, funny, so I mean, I like to use this number. So I was uh, a number 400 employee. And when I left Uber, uh, we were about 22,000 people. So I've seen the growth, the, the, the crazy hyper growth um, sort of phase that was amazing. And then after um, Uber was acquired by Grab, um, which is the uh, one of the, um, the competitors uh, in Asia. Um, I um, joined my ex-boss's company. Uh, it's called Cloud Kitchens. So um, um, Travis Kalanick, who's the founder of Uber, he um, founded a new company called CD Storage Serv uh, Systems, uh, which is more um, targeting FMB spaces. So I, I was one of the. I, I was actually the first person on the ground in Asia. In Singapore, and uh, I did a uh, same thing, helping um, different markets to 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 you know grow from day one. So I was there for about um, close to two years, and um, and I finally started my own business, something that I've been super passionate about for a long time. And then now, um, uh, I don't know if if I have time to actually talk about this a little bit now. No, but, um, please do, please do. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'll be really quick. So basically, the platform that we are building right now is targeting top 1% bilingual talent um, right. to connect with top companies. And we do it through online, we call it online happy hour events. We call it fine happy hour events. And we also do it through different chat groups. And mm -hmm. we also do it through you know content sharing. Um, so our platform is under development right now. It's about four to five weeks away, uh, but I'm pretty excited about um, you know uh, the opportunities that our members will be able to enjoy. Fantastic, good stuff, good stuff. And and so, what what are you seeing in the um in, in the job market at the moment? I mean, from from my perspective, you know, it's been a huge amount of volatility um, this year, both on the um, demand from organisations, uh, the hiring demand, and also um, volatility in in the availability of talent as well. So, what are you seeing out there? Yeah, it's um, it's it was really interesting timing for for me personally because I 
basically left my ex-company at Cloud Kitchens uh, early um, February. That was like right before the whole, you know, COVID-19 broke out. And then, um, you know, like it, it was it was really, really quiet, right? And a lot of companies were not really, you know, hiring and even a lot of offers were being, you know, um, held and, and I, I, I heard a lot of stories. Um, but now I am definitely seeing more activities. Countries like, you know, China, Korea are recovering very quickly. Taiwan is recovering very quickly. Hong Kong is recovering, you know, quickly compared to other markets. And Australia is also recovering very quickly. So more and more uh, companies are trying to engage with, um, you know, great talent. But some company, one thing that I see is companies are actually, previously they were very eager to hire people that they can hire right away. So when yeah. you ask recruiters, what's your timeline? Then there's, the, the answer is always yesterday, right? But now what I see is it's there actually, this is maybe the, probably the first time to properly build their mid to long-term sort of plan, which is actually very nice to see. So they are putting the right structure in place and they are you know, creating different strategies and different events that they can connect with uh, the right type of people and then you know, have that relationship you know, a bill, right? So it's really good to see that happening. And I definitely see that a lot from Japan, Korea, um, and also Singapore is a studying, you know, I, I see yeah. it's uh, yeah. studying. Yeah. And, and, and I suppose if you've got to think about it, the, every organization is scenario planning for the future, right? Um, a lot of countries uh, have been in lockdown and it feels like countries are going to go in and out of lockdown. So, so everyone's scenario planning for when things open up to, um, and, and from a recruitment perspective, what that means is that you've often got virtual kind of recruitment processes and they may open up to kind of face-to-face -face again at some point and then, and then even potentially regress. Um, so, so out of interest, what, what organizations are you seeing, um, you know, doing the most hiring right now? Where is availability of talent coming onto the market? What do you see? Um, sure, I, I think um, uh, I, there, there's a really interesting chart that maybe I could share. Yeah, um, sure. Maybe that might help understand a little better. Hold on, let me see if I can share my screen and let me know if you see this. Yeah, I can see that good as gold. I'm just checking over here on uh, Facebook and so forth. Yeah, it's coming through. Uh, clear great yeah so actually i stole this slide from one of, of one of our uh, one of the speakers who actually presented uh, to our members previously and i really liked it and it's really really clear right and you can see the impact of you know covid19 and the industries that are being impacted by this and how fast that they are recovering right yeah and you can see all the way the list uh, low impact to severe impact right and obviously technology, anything that has uh, less physical contact, they are likely to do really well, right? And yeah. in fact, FinTech companies, food delivery companies, and also I see more like a software companies or anything that related to remote working or even healthcare industry. These yeah. are sort of the industries that I see, they're still um, you know, aggressively trying to get in touch with um, talent in the market. Um, but obviously like tourism, aviation, and also my ex-company <laughs> automotive, um, like Uber is, is, as you all know, um, uh, really, you know, got a big sort of, of, you know, dip, right. And, but now they are quickly recovering, but again, it's, it's very obvious that these industries are definitely getting more, more, uh, affected by negatively affected by this current situation. Right, great, great, and and um, I just wanted to quickly um, bounce to uh, to Diana and just see if we had any questions coming through um, from the people on the line right now. Uh, looks like we've got a question that's just come through. Um, uh, so, how do you deal with? Uh, yeah, you know, how did you transition from being a part of a big company to owning your own business? So, it's a question for you, Andrew. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks for the question. Um, well, 
I, I guess, I mean, Simon knows this too, but um, uh, people who know me really well, uh, they weren't too surprised that actually I, you know, started my own business. And it was just a matter of time because that's something that I've been telling everybody since like, I don't know, a few years ago. And this <laughs> right? Uh, and recruiting space using video technology and really, you know, uh, diving into a very specific group of people. That's something that I've been very, very passionate, especially in, in Asia context. Um, so um, it wasn't that hard. And um, like Simon, I also have three kids. <laughs> so uh, it, financially, it, 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 is a, it is a big burden, but I'm very, very lucky that um, my wife is very, very supportive. And she told me this, she says, because uh, she was like, very sick and tired of me you know, talking about this every day. And one day she said, honey, just do it today because it's going to be harder tomorrow, right? And I was like thinking, actually, that's that's right. <laughs> and, and this is one area that I'm very passionate about, and I do have a pretty good experience in, in this region, and, and I understand what companies want, what you know candidates are struggling with. So just try to find um, the right solutions to to connect these two. So that's that's been my passion for the longest time. So it wasn't that hard for me to do it, but obviously it's, it's very hard now. I mean, you know, it's, it's building something from scratch is hard, but at least I enjoy it. I, I'm, I'm having so much fun doing it. Fantastic. And, and there's a there's follow-up question. So what were the challenges you encountered and what helped you decide uh, uh, to start your own business? Yeah, what challenges, uh, what were the challenges encountered and what helped me decide? I, I guess it's, it's again, counts of, like I've, I've, I've been talking to a lot of companies. I've been talking to a lot of candidates, job seekers, yeah. and, um, and hearing the same problems and here, and then yet we are doing the exact same thing that we've been doing 10 years ago, right? Um, or five years ago, right? I mean, yes, we are still using different tools, but, um, that the problems that I saw was actually, it was really the top of funnel, right? Um, if like Uber, uh, example, Simon knows this too, Uber in 2016, if I'm not mistaken, we received 1.2 million applications, but of that, we only hired 5,000 people. Yeah. And, and, and then we had about 200, you know, people in our recruiting org. So think about all the resources that we had to put in, all mm -hmm. the money and time and effort to you know, uh, hire these five thousand people out of one point something mil—that's crazy, right? But why not we put these five thousand people? We identify them in an earlier stage and put them in the uh, top of funnel um, first. Then everything will actually go much more efficiently. So that's where I sort of uh, start thinking, and um, that was the problem, right? And I don't know if that answered the question. Yeah, well, Diana, you'll be able to just um, drop us a note and let us know if that answers the question or if they've got any follow-up questions. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a number of sort of business questions coming through. Um, so this, this uh, person, I'm not sure who it is, Diana, but um, they've started their own business. Uh, it, it sounds like it was going well prior to the pandemic, um, but now not generating any income. Um, and it's hard to stay, stay motivated, uh, and they're accumulating debt instead of income. What advice can you give us as a business owner? Um, Andrew, do you want to go first and I'll, I'll give you my thoughts after? Absolutely. I, um, it's, it's, you know, as I said, this is probably the first time the recruiters are actually spending time to properly plan things now because before they didn't have any luxury of time, right? Everything had to just, we have to do it today, 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 right? And I think it's the same thing as a business owner, you have so many things that you need to think about, but this is a really good time for you to really just maybe choose one or two verticals that you, you can really go deeper and and then learn and also you know invest your time um, and also getting in touch with people uh, who can maybe help you understand that that topic much better, right? Because be just because you know everybody is spending more time in front of their computer these days and they're all staying at home and they have more time and they're more willing to share too. So um, that's at least that's what I do, uh, and it's been super helpful for me. Yeah, and 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 I think that's great advice. And I think as a follow-up, um, from my perspective, I think this is a time for you to um, 
also learn and, and, and grow yourself, right? So if there's something that you feel like you don't understand about your business, you, you need to really go deep on, on that. Uh, and also there are things that you you may have thought, oh, I'm going to automate that or I'm, or, or I'm going to get to that. It's a great time to do it. And the, and the final thing I think is make sure that you're, you're connecting with um, your consumers and ultimately your clients and just understanding what, what problems they have right now um, and whether you can solve them uh, for free or whether your product or service actually solves it, then great. But remember the engagement that you have with your consumers and your clients right now, they'll remember you if, if, if you're offering up free advice, free um, sort of content and, 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 and guidance. So, so don't forget that um, because things will get greener uh, and it'll be the work that you do now that will actually result in, in sort of um, revenues and, and so forth thereafter. Good, uh, Diana. Um, I've, I've got a, I've got one question here, but um, uh, keep dropping uh, the questions into the chat there for us. Um, the other one that I had during the week, Andrew, was, um, and this is a, <laughs> this is a funny one: photo or no photo in your CV. What, what side of the fence are you on? Should we be putting our, <laughs> our Instagram photo on the CVs or not? What are your thoughts? I, I am a big firm believer that uh, you should never put your photo <laughs> <laughs> in your CV. Um, well, when it, it, it's, it, the, it's the question of photo or no photo. Um, I, I guess... It really depends, right? But but again, that's that's me personally. I would not really spend time on looking at this, how this person might look like. But but um, I think the the more important question is like what you put in your in your CV rather than photo or no photo, right? Um, what keywords you know re recruiters spend three to five seconds on a CV, right? And if yeah. I am screening you know a few hundred CVs a day, I'm not going to spend you know I mean like if I'm a senior recruiter. If I if I take about three to five seconds, I'll be able to understand the keywords that I'm looking for, and then that's gonna be the my target. Like I'm I'm you know actively seeking these keywords from this one CV, right? So whoever shows me those keywords uh, better will definitely get my attention, right? So I think that's that's more important than um, photo no photo, and I'm a big believer. I'm a big you know, uh, supporter of actually using video <laughs> so that you can really, you know, introduce yourself and you can sell yourself stuff that you cannot put in your CV, but you are able to express uh, much better. Um, and, and that's something that you and I also talked about, you know, the, the trend of CV, right? It, it will go away, but still there will be a way that um, people will still want to understand you just by looking at a few keywords. So that you know is something that companies are now doing it mm. and, and then um and um i've seen that happening from i think it, airbnb was the first company who actually started doing that when yeah. a, a massive number of people got laid off they wanted to help their you know affected uh, employees so they created this talent um um you know directory and it's it, when you look at that it's very interesting so there's a, a talent directory from airbnb and from uber um should I share this and just kind of yeah yeah sure uh, show you how it might yeah so this is this is um oh yeah let me know if you see this uh, uh, let me just do that there we go yeah so this is from Airbnb um, so you know you'll be able to filter by different functions and locations but the point here is you know it's really interesting right you just um, look at what when you look at the stuff that they put it here they did it in a way that it's very recruiter friendly just quickly looking at the few, few keywords and read mm -hmm. few keywords and uh, the location um, and then maybe the study like what major or uh, what function this person uh, is currently doing um, so that's something that you know uh, it's very easy to easy to look at, right? And open to remote. And if I'm interested in this person, then I just click LinkedIn and just check out the you know details about this person. Yeah. And Uber actually did much better. <laughs> I personally think uh, that it you know Uber did the same thing, talent directory. 
but again, you know, when you look at the, the, the way they did it, you know, the, the keywords really stand out, right? And this is exactly what recruiters want to see. Uh, not your face, not your photo, but what are the keywords from your experience, right? And then whether or not you've managed people and they also put remote to uh, open to remote location and, and, and um, uh, remote work and relocation. And if you want to see this person's profile, then you can just click LinkedIn and check it out. So uh, again, I think these are the uh, really good, these are really giving us a good understanding of how we should you know, write our CV and what kind of keywords we need to put, you know, on your, on our CV. Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree. And I think there's some great advice there. The, the thing for me, though, is <clears throat> that you look at marketing uh, and it used to be all about the imagery and it used to be all about the kind of the, the logos and everything else. But now copywriting is becoming one of the most important components of anything uh, to do with marketing, right? So if you think about your personal brand, which is ultimately um, your CV is your ultimate personal brand, for the first five seconds, your photo or some logos and all the rest of it might do something. But in reality, it's the it's the content and the benefit that you're going to provide to that organization that, that's going to get you um, the, the second look and then ultimately the first interview. Um, and, and I think structuring your cv to make it easier for the recruiter because remember this is the thousand <laughs> cv that that recruiter's seen in a day if you can stand out in some shape or form so so <clears throat> where i probably have a slightly different view is if you do have a photo you might be different from other people if you do have the logos of your organizations uh there on there it's just something a little bit and and it, and it maybe throws it up for that recruiter when they're looking at it but i think you're right the 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 structure of saying, what was your role? You know, what industry were you in? Uh, what ge geography were you responsible for? And also just put a little um, a snippet about the organization because, you know, some people see some of these big brands, but they don't actually understand how many employees their organization has or how much revenue. And it only needs to be a paragraph. So then right. that recruiter understands the context because then they go, okay, actually, you're working for an organization that has 100,000 employees. We have 100,000. Okay, so then they suddenly go, okay, great. Okay, they're working in a similar industry or they're in an organization that's transforming. So all of those things are, are, are cues for that recruiter then go, actually, maybe they'll fit well into this organization. And then they start to look at the specific skills that might, um, and, and that, that means that they'll scroll a little bit further down your CV. So I think that's, um, that's all important. Um, Mm -hmm. So, um, the next question. So we've got, what is, what is the best way to find um, what available jobs are out there in the market? So, so beyond the LinkedIn, which is which is natural. You know, you've got a whole bunch of open jobs and all the rest of it. But what what are your thoughts on on that question? Right. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a really a you know, interesting question. I actually get that question a lot too. And um, recently I came across this website, which I will share again, screen. Um, and if any of you guys who are listening to our conversation here want to get this link, maybe Simon, you can share this link later. Um, do you see this? Yeah. Uh, do you want me to, uh, oh, this one here? Yeah, yeah, I can share this with the um, with the group afterwards. Okay, great. Yeah. So this is a website that I came across like a um, few months back, actually. Uh, but this is really, really interesting because it does give you a very, very uh, up to date, um, you know, data uh, of which companies are currently hiring, and there's a hiring freeze or layoffs, right? And this is pretty accurate because the employees from this each, these companies actually they update uh, this data right every day. Uh, pretty much, and I actually also looked at a few companies that I know personally, and it was pretty accurate. So uh, again, you know, just uh, as look at it as a as a reference, but don't trust this like fully. But um, but this is will give you um, additional resources, right? Um, well, I, I think that's, that that is an absolutely uh, fantastic resource because because when you go onto a website, you're kind of thinking, okay, have they mm -hmm. got to update their open jobs? Mm -hmm. um, you know. 
I'm, I'm seeing a lot of comments out there in social media around people saying mm -hmm. they're applied for jobs, but then they're actually on hold or, or the organization's actually not progressing with interviews. Um, mm -hmm. So this is the type of insight that will really help you. Um, and I mentioned in our, um, our previous kind of show uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, if people are following the sort of consumer journey and this whole boom around e-com and all the rest of it, and you think about what value you can provide organizations throughout that, um, you know, in, um, that consumer life cycle. So, for example, you were talking about food delivery. Where do you fit into it? So if you're in marketing, how could you, um, you know, uh, insert yourself into that consumer life cycle? So, okay, surely um, food delivery and all the rest of it are looking for marketing people, right? So then you just start to list out all the organizations, um, particularly the emerging organizations that are coming through um, and, and start to target those organizations. And I think beyond just the LinkedIn and the job boards is actually do what I just described. Try and come up with a list and, and you can just Google it, right? Name me, name me the top 20 or top 50 food delivery organizations in the world and there, there will be a list somewhere. And when you find that list of uh, 50 odd uh, companies, just go to their website, go to their backslash careers um, and start to look at jobs that are open. Now, if there's not a specific job open, you know, sometimes the recruiter names are actually on the um, on the job adverts for other jobs uh, that might be similar to the ones you're looking for. And if you get that person's name, maybe you get their email address, maybe you find them on LinkedIn or whatever, start connecting with them and, and showing that you're keen and willing um, because that type of proactivity uh, can only in result in two, two things, right? You you get a response or you don't get a response. But if you don't send anything to begin with, you're not going to get a response, right? So worst case scenario is you're going to send a, a LinkedIn e e in mail or an email and you're not going to get a response. Worst case, but you've got to put yourself out there. Otherwise, you, you, you won't get the response. Um, there is another question coming through and it was in relation to what we talked about earlier. Uh, and this was, is it best to keep our CV just to one page only? Um, my my view on this is actually, I think the most optimal sort of page number that I've seen over the last 20 years would, would be around about three pages, potentially four. Um, the first page is really important because you, you hear this concept of uh, above the line and below the line. Um, and if you imagine you open a CV on, on your browser or, or, or on, on your desktop and you can kind of see about three quarters of a page of a PDF or a Word document. Um, in order to get that recruiter or hiring manager or whoever it is to scroll down to the next one, you've got to have a compelling story. So, so a, a lot of people will put um, on their front page of their CV, they'll put things like uh, their contact details, what they're uh, interested in, um, maybe some of their education and all the rest of it. You've got to remember that if, if, if that is the first 75% of your first page of your CV, that's all you are telling that recruiter. And they may not even swipe down to kind of see, um, you know, what your, your current job is and all the rest of it. So try in that first 75% of that first page to at least show a snapshot of uh, your career journey. So for, for you who haven't got a long career journey, you might want to show a bit more about your education journey. Um, but if you've got five, 10 years experience, then you should show the journey and show the, the, the progression or, or the industries you've worked in or the job titles. And then if that is compelling enough for the recruiter, they will then scroll down and, to, and, and look at more detail. So I think that's really, really, really important to understand is it's not really whether it's one page or four pages, it's more about what's on that first page. And then back to Andrew's point earlier, when I get into the content and I look at a specific job, I want to see what you are personally responsible for. And then also the achievements. People forget this, but they kind of say, this is th these are the job, uh, job attributes that I did while I was doing that job.
but then they don't say, okay, I actually increased revenue or, or I increased automation, whatever whatever the, the value that they were providing to their organization. Don't know what your thoughts are, Andrew. 100%. Uh, yeah. 100%. I think that the first page, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not too sure if it's the the number of page that matters, but I think it is, is absolutely right. The first page is so important. Yeah. So often, um, you know, because as we said, um, we, we're looking for keywords, right? So if you, you know, list out all the, the right keywords that the recruiter is looking for on the first page, it's now it will, you know, uh, motivate me to go, you know, maybe the below and the next page and more and more, right? So uh, I think that's really important. And also the, the impact uh, their actual achievement, right? So that's great that you did that job for three years. So that's great. Yeah. So what do you do? So what what impact did you actually make, right? Um, and what what results did you actually you know create? I think that's that's more important. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I think going back to my point earlier around copywriting, the the copywriters now in the marketing industry are really all about what benefit. The product or service is going to provide to that consumer. So then, if you relate that to a CV, what benefit are you going to provide to the organisation? Not, not I have a degree. I have a degree in human resource management that has allowed me to increase revenues or, or you know, employee engagement by ten percent over the last. You know, it's that type of thing. Then it's a tangible outcome to the skills that you're going to provide to that organisation. Um, and and, and it, it sounds simple, but it's just literally a, a different line of narrative that you put into your CV that's really important. Good, okay, we've got a few more coming through. Um, so through from the, uh, the Facebook group, uh, what are your tips in building a portfolio besides creating an attractive CV? Uh, what if my only skill is uh, Microsoft Office and customer service? Portfolio. Look, I mean, I think those are two uh, amazing attributes. I mean, I, you don't know how many people uh, that probably Andrew and myself have seen that uh, can't navigate the technology, uh, the simple technologies, whether it be Google, Microsoft, just the, the basic suite of products. So I think for someone who is um, relatively new into their career, they've got it over the people who have been in organizations for a long period of time who haven't navigated around these new technologies, not adopting new things. So I think that's the first thing that I'd say, you've, you've got to jump on everyone else. I think um, customer service, if you think about what happened in 2019 versus what's happening in 2020, customer service jobs were confined confined ultimately to a, a, a call center type environment in, in, the, in the most part, right? So in your physical location, you typically had to uh, either come into a place where you're providing customer service. So if you're in the airline industry, you would be in the ticketing office. Um, if you were in the call center in an airline, you would actually physically have to go into that call center. Um, I think people are rethinking it. So that means customer service roles now, that person could be anywhere. If they are, uh, you know, tech savvy, meaning that they can operate off the internet, they can uh, attend calls like this and, and video calls, and they have great customer service um, attributes, then you can basically uh, work from anywhere. And you watch, I think over the next 18 months, you'll see these customer service roles ultimately um, become a lot more remote. Um, a lot more cost effective. All these organizations are investing in the technologies to allow customer service to now be at a click of a button. And then we're connecting via video or, or, or via chat and, and, and audio. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, um, and, and I, I, that's a great advice. And also um, the way you should think about it is there are two types of, of uh, skill sets or portfolios, as you, know, as you, as you wrote here. The first one is more hard, hard skill sets, right? Technology, what technologies can you use? What have you done and all that? But also soft skill sets are very important too for a lot of companies, right? Um, we want to, a lot of companies want to see, you know, especially if it's like a startup environment, you know, we used to say hustle is really, really important. Is there anything that you can show 
that you can prove that, you know what, I do have enough hustle to get stuff done. Yeah. The responsibility, right? That working in a team environment and being a great communicator, right? I think these are also very, very important soft skills uh, that, you, you know, companies uh, need to understand and they are also looking for, right? Yeah, and, and uh, I kind of go back to your point earlier. If, if you're great at your customer service, then, you know, putting an audio link in your CV, putting a video link yeah. uh, in your CV, I don't know many recruiters that if they saw a link at the top of a CV to say, here's my, you know, 10 second video or here's my uh, 30 second audio around what my customer service skills are, then they're likely to click on that link, right? And just to hear a, a, a sound of what it would be like if one of their customers were to receive a call from you or you were to be on, on, on video uh, with one of their customers. So, so dependent on the type of role and the environment that they're looking for, then I will I would be I would be putting that type of um, information in there, and a lot of organisations, to be fair, are now starting to put some sort of audio uh, recording or some sort of video recording at the front of their process in order to do it. Um, yep. So if you're going to spend some time, maybe practice. You know, I <clears throat> I personally don't enjoy um, you know public speaking and kind of uh, getting out live and doing all the rest of it. But if you practice it enough you know, it, it, it'll become natural. And, and if you're passionate about uh, the customer service element, it, it'll come for sure. Good, uh, Diana, what other questions have we got? Another one, how can we keep up with the conversation during the online interview? Any tips and advice? I'm an e-commerce. Okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to understand. So how do I keep up? In a conversation during an online interview look I mean <clears throat> preparing for any type of interview or, or online interview <clears throat> I think the, the the primary thing you need to do after you've created your CV is if you can come up with 20 stories even 10 but but I, I would probably try and get 20 stories of where you have um, achieved great things at, at, throughout your career, right? And if you can come up with those stories and you come up with a whole bunch of different ones, so um, if you were asked the question, how do you deal uh, under pressure, right? You would quickly think, okay, I've got 20 stories and you kind of go, okay, there was that project and we needed to deliver it in one week and and, and I was put on point and I worked overtime and I, I kind of, uh, uh, you know, made sure that I got organized and I brought, certain people you know you come up with a story that actually fits any question you could answer it's kind of like being a politician if you've got 20 20 great stories that you just want to tell the very first question tell me what your favorite color is well it's actually red and the reason it's red is because i did x y and z and you're basically uh trying to force fit one of those 20 stories that actually you're proud of and you also um because they're stories you will remember them because they're real and they're kind of, they've got some emotion attached with them. Whereas if you go, okay, I'm going to prepare for the question, how do you work under pressure? I work really well under pressure because I, you know, you kind of, you've got a structured answer. But if you go, actually, it was that project where I, you know, had a short timeline. Um, and so I think that would be how I would prepare for interviews because then you get your authentic self across, uh, which is really, really important you actually have tangible um, stories and you have, a, have an outcome. Because remember these questions are often, tell me about a time when you did X and what was the outcome? So it might be positive or negative, but you might've learned from that or whatever it might be. So I think that's really, really important. Come up with those 20 stories and I think you'll, you'll feel a lot more comfortable going into those interviews. Andrew, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, I just basically echo what you just said, right? I mean, it, there's nothing better than just practice, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when you do this online, it's it's much harder to do it, you know, um, to communicate with someone online, what, or especially when it's just a one way too, right? Um, but if you are if you are referring to sort of like, you know, uh, online communication, um, 
I, I guess it's really the practice. There's nothing better than practice too. But also, you know, when if you Google it, there's so many different online interviews that you can actually watch. Like I actually do that just to see how people, uh, you know, answer and what kind of questions people ask. Ask. So again, I mean, that's part of your research too, right? So, um, and once you do it and practice with your friends before the actual, you know, interview, because um, um, as as Simon said, right? Because 20 get ready you know with the 20 stories that's that's practice basically right yeah. and, and doing your research but 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 the thing about the 20 stories is you shouldn't have to practice a huge amount because yeah. you, yeah. you lift them right so you're in that project and on a short time from it's a it's a core memory of yours you can kind of if someone asked me a, a question and i was to think about a story throughout my career I'll be able to answer that better than a, a, a self-prepared one which I've read through 10 times because, because it's got that emotion. In it. And I think um, the, the thing I'll finish with on this is the more you can be your authentic self, the more you're going to match with the, the, the job or the organization that you're searching for. Because if you, if you curate uh, the content that you're wanting to put across in an interview, then, and, and it's not entirely you, then that organization is hiring what they heard in the interview. And if it's not entirely, you know, matching that organization or that role, you might end up struggling. Uh, yeah. So the more authentic you can be in yourself, and if you get the job, then it's based upon you as an individual. Whereas if, if you were if you were to be sort of curated, I think it would um, and it would mean you would get um, uh, a match with an organisation or a job that might not match you. We've got another question coming through, um, uh, and this one was from uh, out on LinkedIn. Actually, we're not live on LinkedIn today, but we um, we did post something out there earlier today. Uh, do you have any advice? on how I could start uh, in a career in digital marketing industry. I've recently graduated with a BA in marketing and I'm looking for, uh, for experience in the industry. I want to keep applying for companies, but I don't feel too confident about my background yet. Yeah, so this one here, I mean, um, <clears throat> digital marketing is, um, is blowing up. I mean, if you think about a skill set uh, that most organizations are either shifting to. And now with COVID, I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be exponential growth, right, around um, digital uh, organizations getting out there, telling their story, um, selling products, services, and so forth. So I think you're in the right space. Um, I would go back to what we said earlier around, you know, identify the organizations that you would love to work for um, and be creative about, the way that you approach it. Don't go on to LinkedIn and see the three jobs that are available and apply and sit there and go, okay, what's going to happen next? Go on and literally find the hundred organizations, then go to their career site, learn about what they are looking for, curate your content, your CV, your messaging, everything for that organization, send it through, follow up with that organization after you apply, try and contact the recruiter, uh, who's responsible for that role, you know, literally make it your job to go after. And if you do that for a hundred organizations, I think you'll get there. I think you will get there. Um, but it's the people who say, okay, I applied for three jobs and I didn't get a response. That's, you know, that, that's not going to get you a job. Finding those hundred organizations you want, applying and then following up and then also trying to go through the, um, the, the third door is a, a book I read um, over the last sort of six, six months is um, a great book called The Third Door. So if you ever want to kind of read something or, or get the audio book, it's about kind of, uh, you know, people who have been really successful throughout their, uh, their lives and their careers. And often it's not the first door or the second door that they take, it's the third door. Um, and the third door is often, you know, the cheeky kind of send an, uh, a LinkedIn in mail to that recruiter saying my application's in the top of your inbox just to let you know. It's that type of um, thing that will get your CV looked at and might get you that interview that you're looking for. 
You sound like you agree there, Andrew. <laughs> for sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I I was thinking right because it, it normally takes about six to one year to find mm. something that you will actually really appreciate, right? Is it just the people who are very eager or very sort of impatient to just jump in, and that's pretty dangerous thing to do, right? And um, yeah, I mean, and then especially you are like a fresh grad, and if you don't have a lot of experience, my advice, I mean, this is something that I also talk to uh, our members too, uh, especially digital marketing space. You know, digital marketing basically means you can actually work remotely from anywhere, really. And there are a lot of opportunities, um, not just in your market, in your country, but other countries too. So uh, I think, uh, you know, if you can't, just look beyond your own market. I don't know wh which country or which region you are actually currently in, but but you know there there are tons of companies looking for digital marketing professionals, and also, uh, I my personal advice is try to also maybe find some startups right where you can actually own more right because if you're a fresh grad and go to a big company, your role is going to be. I mean, it's it you will still learn a lot, and you know it's, it looks great, but the the ownership the amount of ownership that you will have and the, the pace that you are moving um it's 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 really hard to compare right and 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 then it's going to be a lot easier for you to move on to the next sort of you know stage yeah and and, and going back to what we said earlier like you got to remember that a lot of organizations are in a scenario planning phase right now right so mm -hmm. so if you didn't if you were a a startup or a a, a large corporate you had this vision around, okay, we're going to do a whole bunch of billboards. Uh, we're going to do, um, you know, all these events. Um, remember, the second half of this year, event budgets are down. Billboards, uh, uh, you know, advertising are down. All of those physical kind of, and so what that means is that budget is either being uh, used as savings for that organization or they're reinvesting into digital. And so, so what will happen is that you will have all the hiring managers and so forth, um, uh, you know, getting the budget, getting the headcount, and, and, and having the open jobs come their way. They might not even be out there yet. So, so you also need to be a little bit patient. I think, I think the next 18 months of that digital marketing space will be immense. Big organizations, you'll see an uptick straight away. And you'll see that in the next six months. Some organizations are still sorting themselves out, right? Uh, and it will take a little bit um, in order to get there. And, and those jobs might not come out until early next year. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if that's the answer you want to hear. But if you go through that methodology of, of finding those top 100 organizations and you go through it, remember, you might put your CV across now. That job that comes out in three months' time, they'll give you a call. Um, and, and, and that will get you um, get your momentum. Look, um, we're 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 coming up to time, and I just want to be respectful of of, of Andrew's time as well. Um, we've got one last question by the looks of it. Uh, I had been applying for jobs overseas um, because I want to work outside my country. I've heard stories of a few people who have done it. Uh, how can I convince companies overseas to hire me? I think I have a really good background and the right skills and well experience. So look, I think the challenge is right now is the organizations are going through the, these various scenarios. And so when uh, organizations are posting uh, posting jobs right now, they are very mindful of where their applicants are. So if Andrew was to uh, apply for a job in Switzerland where I live and he's based in Singapore, most organizations are very mindful of what's gonna happen, right? It's very difficult to get Andrew relocated with his family across to Switzerland right now, um, just with regards to COVID. Some organizations have been able to navigate it and they've been able to say, okay, look, we're gonna hire Andrew. We'll sign him up uh, and his family up to a commitment to coming to Switzerland and we'll wait until COVID blows over. And if that happens in six months time, um, so be it. And Andrew can you know, work remotely. So that is starting to happen for organizations who have got themselves sorted. There's a few organizations that like, they don't have you know, these big mobility teams or big HR teams to help them. So they're, they're not even 
dealing with candidates outside of that given geography. Um, so, so stay close to the, the shift. Um, um, but what we're starting to see more and more is actually organizations are saying, well, actually, Andrew, would you like to stay in Singapore? Your manager is going to be based in Switzerland. Would you like to stay there? Would you like to stay there with your family? Um, the salary is naturally going to be different. It's going to be aligned to the country that you're residing in and, and, and related to kind of um, the incomes that people earn for that type of role in that given country. Um, would you like to stay there? Because actually that manager might not be seen you for the next six, 18 months, potentially anyway, even if you were in Switzerland. And so organizations are now doing that. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago in, in, in our live, when we were live on Facebook and so forth around Twitter. Um, you know, around Google and Facebook for the rest of 2020, giving the option for people to to be completely remote. So I think, you know, be mindful of that. Stay close to um, what's happening out there, uh, and actually make sure your applications. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't limit your applications if you're wanting to go to another specific country. Um, apply. But just remember that that organization is currently thinking whether they could have someone remotely outside of that country. Um, and I, I don't know what the motivations of this individual is. They may want to go to that country for, for lifestyle and, and living. So that, that also could be a, a factor. Andrew, your thoughts? Yeah, um, so th that's exactly what I was going to say. More and more companies are opening up that sort of remote uh, you know, location opportunity now. But I see mm -hmm. that more like traditional tech IT sort of space where, you know, they've been already doing that anyways, even before COVID-19, right? Uh, but now I'm looking at your background as in supply chain industry. Um, so I'm not too sure how um, well they are able to work remotely, but, but you know, um, again, it's, it's I'm, we're not saying no, but you just need to be very proactive about it and just trying to look for uh, the companies who will, you know, consider you, uh, as a sort of like a remote worker first for the time being. Good, good, Andrew. It has been a um, a real pleasure to have you on the show, and um, you know, looking forward Thank to uh, hopefully joining you and your community at some point. Um, yes, please, please your wisdom with our members too. <laughs> yeah, indeed, um, and uh, looking looking forward to doing that with you, and and I appreciate you coming on to the show today, and um, hopefully those who joined us today. Uh, via Facebook and uh, YouTube and, and and Twitch have got the value that they um, wanted from today's call. You know, please uh, go ahead and uh, join our Facebook group. Uh, we've got a great active community and we've got Diana in there, uh, you know, providing great value and content. Uh, and we've got a very engaged community. So uh, please join us there over on, on Facebook. So appreciate your time, Andrew, and uh, speak Thank to you. everyone. Thank you. Bye now. Thanks, guys. Bye.